blessed shalom it is to have him on the throne because we know when he's on the throne of our hearts amen we're gonna make it when he's on the throne of the son of David ruling with a rod of iron will be in our theophany bodies our glorified bodies we'll have nothing more to worry about what a peace amen I welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning and Thank you all for coming out. I apologize for the screen not being down. I can tell you right now at about 11 to 30 last night, it looked a lot less covered up. But I think my eyes were a little bit crossed, so it's got a little more, a little more covered up. So I apologize to not have the words. You can blame me for that if you need someone to blame. Um, but uh, what's going on here, you can see this. The play is, is scheduled for 5 o'clock tonight, and we're looking forward to that. Trust you all can make it. and. We're expecting a number of visitors, so um, trust the Lord will use it to be a witness to many that will be here. There, there, um, there will not be a song service tonight. It will start at 5 p.m., um, and I apologize to the families with young children maybe that think it's a shorter afternoon, but you'll be home earlier, so there you go. It'll help you out. And, uh, but come at 5 p.m., be ready, and we'll... We'll just try and get into it. It's about an hour, 45 to two hours long, and we look forward to that. I appreciate the young people that have been laboring tirelessly or tiredly, one or the other, for this. And uh, thank you to all of them that have helped out, and the parents that helped out behind the scenes. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles together, turn to the book of Ephesians. Thank you to the musicians. It's just a pianist up here. That's all I can see anyways. God bless you, Sister Naomi. Oh, there's more. Brother Marion, there's more hiding in the back. Amen. Thank you to the specials. God bless you, Sister Jeanette. I appreciate that. I always enjoy the, the spirit when you get up and sing. And God bless you, Sister Naomi. God bless you and the, the trio. God bless you. Amen. We're used to having a quartet here, so I think there's an opening there, but 
Sorry, did I say that out loud? I apologize. That's, that's out of my place. I just want to say thank you to, um, to all of you and, and just I always consider it an honor to be here, stand behind this desk, to preach here in, in this church. It's really, the, I believe, the stability of this church is a testament to the ministry of Brother Harold Hildebrandt for many, many years. What he's done for the kingdom of God and how he's labored, he's labored tirelessly in uh, both here and overseas. And Brother Ed, just having been there in Uganda, seeing again the work of Brother Harold, it still goes on. And we so appreciate our brother. It would be a year ago on Thursday, April 27th, that he passed away. On uh, uh, just last Thursday now would be the, the one year anniversary, really, that he just slipped from time to eternity. For us, it's been a year. For him, it's been but a moment. As he sat there in his, his new body, no longer hunched over at all, just being able to run and dance and praise the Lord. And what a wonderful thing that'll be when, I mean, if he's there and Brother Don, Sister Helen Bablitz now, just rejoicing as they did, and Sister Marlene and the ones that have gone on before. And we're just waiting for that last trump of God to sound. And we'll all be reunited again. Amen. Maybe I'll just preach on that this morning. <laughs> Amen. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm sorry to keep you standing so long. Amen. God bless you, Sister Leanne and Sister Melody, Brother Joel. It's hard to believe it's been a year already. Amen, Brother Zach, so much has happened. Amen. It's good to see you here, Brother Zach, Sister Melody. If there's any other visitors I'm missing, I apologize. I'm not very good at getting everybody, but that's all right. We love you all anyways. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as we are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just want to approach your throne of grace again this morning. Thanking you, Lord, that your, ear, your ears are always open, Lord, when we pray. Lord, even as Brother Reyes prayed this morning, Lord, we don't just call on you in a time of trouble, Lord, and in a time of need, but Father, because we love you, because you are a master, you are a savior, you are Lord, you are everything, you are all in all, Lord. You're the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Lord. You're the Alpha, the Omega, Father. Without you, there is nothing, Lord Jesus, for by you is all things consist, Lord, and they all are created for your pleasure. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we are a part of this bride. Lord, to be able to read your word, to have understanding, ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord. Not naturally, Lord, but spiritually, Father, to be able to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. 
Lord, we thank you, Father, and we pray you just come again this morning as you're here now and just speak to our hearts, Lord. Give us grace, Lord, as we need it, Father, we pray. If we found favor in thy sight, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you would like. Amen. I want to just speak again on the uh, uh, emissions of the Holy Spirit, and I'll call it as a subtitle, Finding Favor with God. Finding favor with God. As we read in the scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll ask you to keep your Bibles as we don't have the screen. We'll turn to a few scriptures here and there, but if you want to see them, you'll need your own Bible to turn and to read, and I trust you all brought it with you. A little hard to fight a battle without a sword unless you're just planning on standing in the back and watching. But if you want to be involved, bring your sword. Amen. We're here to be involved. We're here to get, a, get, our, get what we need from the Lord and able to fight the enemy. We desire to step on him every time because we need him under our feet. Amen. If you're not stepping on him, he's in this wrong place. He's out of his place and you're out of your place then by proxy. But we need to realize he needs to be under our feet so we can be on top of him. And we cannot be full of Christ and under the devil. Because God will not go under, every enemy will be made his footstool, not his crown. Amen. So we recognize he, that Satan has a place. We have a place. God has a place in our hearts. We, amen. We're looking forward just to be with him in eternity in order to rule and reign with him. But as it says in Ephesians 4, it says that unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I realized last time I spoke, we kind of dealt on this a little bit, but it just kept burning in my heart. And so we'll carry on down this pathway uh, this morning. And I want to just read this scripture to you from the emphatic Greek dialogue, as Brother Brandon would read sometimes from it if, it, if it brought out something. The emphatic Greek dialogue is when they would just translate directly from the original language over into um, uh, our, our language, rather than trying to take, as we heard on Wednesday night, Brother, Brother Doug did a masterful job of explaining what it is, the Greek and the Hebrew, and what they tried to accomplish in the best that they could. And we thank the Lord for the translation we have. I'm very thankful we're not living in the dark ages. We're not living in an age wondering, taking what the priest has to say, but we all have a sword to bring. We all have something that we can put forward and believe and trust in and read every night before bed, every morning when we wake up, throughout the day, and recognize this is the truth. It was the truth when Jesus was here. It was the truth when Moses wrote the first five books, and it's still the truth today. It never fails. Brother Branham says it's the book of the year every year. Amen. There is no other book of the year. I'm, I'm scared to even look nowadays at what they would call the book of the year, uh, what the world would call. Even Brother Brandon was disappointed in 1964. He would say, I don't understand why they called that book the book of the year. This is the book of the year. It always will be. It always is. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. But in the Greek dialogue, it would say, but to each one is given favor according to the measure of the free gift of the anointed one. To each one of us is given favor, grace, as we would translate in the, in the, in the, in the King James Version, but it says favor, and, and favor and grace is very similar, but it's different in different aspects because God's grace is unmerited grace. There's nothing you can do to deserve it or to earn it. There, it's, it's something that he has because of his predestination and his love, his elective, Brother Branham would say. He has grace and he has love, and he says God sent his only begotten son that whomsoever 
whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. That's the grace of God poured out on everyone without, without a, a prejudice, I'll say. But rather, there's something in here where he says, but to everyone is given favor according to the measure of the free gift of the anointed one. Amen. And we want to just deal on that a little bit more here today as we could read and you could pull up in your Bibles, but I won't have you because Hebrews chapter 11, most of us could loosely recite it off by heart. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, or verse 6, sorry, says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And as we're looking that according to every one of us is given favor, according to the measure of the free gift, we're looking to see how do I obtain favor with God? Amen. He's given me grace. He's given me that. And by grace, I'm saved. There's nothing I could do but just believe it. But now, how do I go beyond that in order to obtain the favor of God so that he looks upon me and loves me and with favor, he, he favors me? But now, as we look at this, and, and he says, well, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So there we have right away, stepping block, if we could say it this way, number one, where in order to, to please God, in order to find any favor with God whatsoever, it must be based on a foundation of faith. For without it, you, you can't even start to please God. You could have all virtue, you could have all knowledge, you could understand the mysteries and all kinds of things, but if you don't believe, if you don't believe what you know, if it's just a head knowledge and it never drops down into revelation, real faith in the Word of God, it's not pleasing to God to just understand things. It's not pleasing to God to have an imitation of patience, to have, I'm just so patient with everybody. That's good, but it needs to be based on the Word of God. It needs to be, have a foundation of faith in the Word of God. Amen. And, 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 and he that cometh... Oh my, Romans, let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 9. Sorry, I need to slow down a minute so I don't get running away on myself. Maybe I'm feeling the pressure because I had a number of young people last night or yesterday tell me that they really appreciated the comment Brother Doug made about the message of the hour. So we're going to try and be myself. I'm not going to try and be Brother Doug. He did a wonderful job. I appreciate the service on, and I appreciate the service on Sunday night too that Brother Ed spoke. Just throw 20 minutes in there, and it was such a blessing. Amen. Forbear one another in love. Romans chapter 9, verse, chapter 4, verse 9, I apologize. You know how Romans chapter 4 talks about circumcision, talks about faith, talks about righteousness. But in verse 9 it says, chapter 4 verse 9 says, Cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? So he begins to lay out a principle here where he used to say there's circumcision, there's uncircumcision. And, but we know that circumcision is a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The circumcision of our hearts, cutting off all the excess. And now... I want to ask you a question. What did, what, what did, um, sorry, this thing's moving all over the place. 
What did Abraham, when did Abraham receive the circumcision? In Genesis, it was in Genesis chapter 17 that Abraham received the seal of circumcision. That was the chapter, you look it up in your Bible, that was when God reaffirmed the covenant again and gave him the seal of circumcision. But I want to ask you, what happened before he was ever sealed? What happened before he received, I'll say it this way, in, in the type, the Holy Ghost? Just in faith, Abraham, his faith, the Bible says, was counted unto him for righteousness. Just in faith, Abraham received the call of God. Just in faith, Abraham left his homeland to go into a land that I will show you. Just in faith, he ended up going down. He was not yet circumcised. He went down because of a famine down into Egypt. And it, but out of all of what happened there, he was blessed of Pharaoh. In the end, Pharaoh gave him so many gifts and so many blessings. In the end, he was not yet born again, but it was in faith. He believed God. Abraham, just in faith, separated from Lot. He'd separated from his father already, left him there in Haran, and now he comes down and he has to separate from Lot. You go that way. Just in faith, not being born again, he says, if you take the well-watered plains, I'll take the desert. If you take the desert, I'll take the well-watered plains. Not yet being born again. In type. Not yet coming to that kind of an experience, but just in faith in believing God, saying, all I see God has given me, but whatever way you take, I'll take the other way. Oh my. And so all these things, he's just doing this in faith. He says, just in faith, he fought against and defeated four kings with just his 300 plus uh, trained servants. And he went out and did that. And now, just in faith, he rescued Lot. Just in faith, he was served communion. Just in faith, he paid tithes of all. Just in faith, he was called and promised once, and he, the promise was reaffirmed twice before he ever received the seal of circumcision. If you go read your Bible, just all of those things happen in about Genesis 12 to Genesis, the end of Genesis 16. All of these things take place just when Abraham believed God. He was not yet, having not yet received the seal of circumcision, but yet all of these things, and just in faith, he had Ishmael by Hagar. He made that kind of, we'll call it a mistake, but he had grace really for his wife, who said, surely it's not for me, it's got to be through this other one, not being, uh, having received circumcision yet, he says, okay, well, you know, maybe that's right, and he takes it that way and goes down that road, but he was not yet in type being born again. But all of these things he did before he received that seal. But if we continue on in Romans chapter 4, so we see all these things without circumcision. And he says, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now was it, now was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or when uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So when did God recognize his faith as righteousness? He counted it to him for righteousness before he received the seal. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of his righteousness, for the, of the faith that being, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them all that believe, though, he, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. 
When? Before they received the seal. And it says, and the father of circumcision to them that are not of the circumcision only, but also who walk in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed singular through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So it wasn't just to this person or this person. It was to those who had faith and that faith was counted unto them for righteousness. So now, in other words, that faith found favor with God. God recognized that faith and counted it to them for righteousness. Because remember, our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags before God. Our righteousness doesn't mean anything to God, so therefore this righteousness is not our righteousness. This is his righteousness that's already poured out upon us while yet being uncircumcised. So let me say it this way, living the do's and don'ts, and I think Brother Tim went into this when he was here a little bit, living the do's and don'ts doesn't mean you're born again. Not living the do's and don'ts doesn't mean you're not born again. Oh my, that's a hard one. We're talking about it last night a little bit with Brother John, and it's so hard for us to swallow. Brother John talks about someone could be born again and go insane. But then you could take it way over here on the other side and say, someone could be born again, or sorry, have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their flesh every day and still go to hell. So you start to ask yourself, which one would I rather be? Would I rather live it perfectly and never receive the faith? Or would I rather receive the faith and not be so good down here? Not by my own trying to not be good, but because Satan is a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, going about seeking whom he will devour. It's a battle. It's a hardship. You get someone that wants to be an island unto themselves and try and say, I'll just do it on my own. Be careful because Satan will come and badger you in your island unto yourself. You think, well, I'm alone. Nobody's here to bug me. Satan doesn't need a human being. He throws thoughts at you to get you in your mind in order to make, try and go, make you go insane so that way you can't even think yourself. But yet there's a seal on the inside. Amen. You know I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, but yet I'm struggling so hard. But is there a way to find favor with God? Because we know that God is the provider of all of our needs. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's why I so appreciate that prayer this morning, Brother Ray. When we call on him in a time of trouble, he's a present help in a time of trouble. When we have a need, we go to the elders of the church, and we, if we, if we're sick in our bodies, they come and anoint them with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And those are times of need. Those are things that God has promised, and there's plenty of promises in the, in the word. And when Satan comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. We know all of these things, and those are all things speaking of a time of need. But what about when you're looking at it saying, well, I don't really have a need, but yet, I have, do I have favor? No, you said, well, Brother Andrew, we, we all have a need for more of God. Yes. But sometimes in our humanity, it's hard to recognize that. When the skies are all sunny, everyone thinks doing great. Everybody's healthy in the family. Everything's going great. We're on a vacation. We're off to wherever we're off to. And we're going, man, I don't, I'm, I'm doing wonderful. Well, what, what do I need? Everything's, this is beautiful. 
But have you found favor with God? Because by faith, Abraham found favor with God, and God counted his faith to him for righteousness. And faith then in the sight of God worketh righteousness. But what is the outworking of righteousness? How do you know that God has recognized or has counted your faith to righteousness? Say, yes, when he recognizes my faith, he'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But yeah, how do I know that he's looked at my faith and counted that for his righteousness? Brother Branham says it this way. He says, he says in the message, the results of decision, he says, I said, this is the end part of a conversation he had with someone. He says, correctly, but when God vindicated his faith, to begin of Abraham, by giving him the circumcision to prove that he had accepted him, that he might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ until God recognizes your, you might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ until God recognizes your faith. He will give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal the promise. Abraham received circumcision as the seal that God had accepted the righteousness of his faith. And if you say you believe God with all your heart, God will give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost to seal you into the kingdom of God to recognize your true faith in God. He says, oh, that's old sassafras preaching, sassafras preaching, but it'll save you. I'm telling you, it'll keep you when the trials are heavy. Amen. So what, as, he's, as he's just laying this out here, and I'm trying to take it slowly, so forgive me if, 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 if maybe it's too slow for you, but as he's laying this out to the, to the brother who he's speaking to and saying, this is something that will keep you when the trials are heavy. Yeah. It's not a great vision. It's not a great manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's faith. It's a foundation. It's a basis that God, that you stay in the hardness of the trial. You'll stay with the word of God regardless of what the circumstances and how difficult it gets. You'll stay with the word of God and have faith in that, that he is able to, to, to do all that you've committed unto him against that day. He's able to keep you. He's able to perform his word. And when he recognizes the righteousness of your faith, because if you have faith in God, it will make you act righteous. If you really believe, see, well, I believe, but as soon as the going gets hard, you're out doing everything else. The faith wasn't real. But if the faith is real, it will make you, without the Holy Ghost, act righteous. It did it for Abraham. When the trial got going hard between him and Lot, and there was strife before he ever received the seal, it made him act righteous. It made him act in such a way that he said, whatever way you take, I'll prefer my brother without being born again. Oh my. That's the power of faith. So then righteousness then has an outworking because God recognizes your, recognizing your faith is the same as, his, as him accepting the righteousness of your faith. Therefore, righteousness of faith must produce something in your life that is not legalistic. Neither is it Calvinistic. 
I'm talking before the new birth here. It's got to produce something that's going to bring you to the middle of the road. It's going to bring you to a place where God can fill you. Because if you're over here in a legalistic world, then it, God can't fill that. Because he's looking at saying, but my word's over here and you're over here and you're asking me to fill you. You've got to come out of that into here. And if you're way over here saying anything goes, I'm saved by grace, everything's wonderful, praise be to God. He says, I can't feel that. My word's over here in the middle. You can't be on this side of the road. Appreciate that menorah pattern. You can't be on this side or that side. It's Christ in the middle. You've got to come back and be balanced in the middle in order to allow God to come and fill your life. In Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15, would, would write it this way. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15 says, Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. I want you to notice, it doesn't say that when you're filled with the Spirit. It says when the Spirit is poured upon you. And the wilderness, this is in the wilderness, when the Spirit is poured upon you from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and, the, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. The work of what? Righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness Quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation. That I can have peace within myself when the Spirit is poured upon me. It says, and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Now let me bring this out through the message from the message Abraham 1961. But the Branham says, not upon some sensation. He says, but did you believe it? He says, there you, you got no matter how many sensations of sanctification. It's a sensation to be sanctified. Oh my. You mean that thing that I felt? Maybe that wasn't the filling of the Holy Ghost? Maybe. Maybe it was. Because he also says, it's a sensation to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Remember, one of, the, one of the mysteries that was revealed in this last days was what? To receive the new birth without sensation. To receive the new birth. But he says, sanctification, there's a sensation of that. Justification, there's a sensation of that. I've talked with many people. that I know I'm born again. Well, how do you know? Because I just came, I repented at the altar. I'm talking people that aren't even in this church, not even message believers, just just denominational Christians. I know I received it, and praise God, the euphoria that I felt. I was so happy. I went out so free. And you know what? That's beautiful. That is a sensation of the Holy Spirit upon your body, upon your mind, and that will bring you to a place of justification. To know that all the sins that I've done, it's as though I've never done them in the first place. What a sensation! To know that I've been sanctified, cleansed, cleaned, and set aside for service. What a sensation to know that he not only chose me, but he cleaned me and he's put me in a place that he can use me. What a place. What a, what a sensation to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a sensation to be filled with the Holy Ghost in your mind. It's a sensation to fill the Holy Ghost in your flesh. It's a sensation to fill the Holy Ghost in your soul. But to be born again, it's a mess. 
Sometimes it's a sensation. Sometimes it's not. That you just begin to realize, I'm a different person. Something's happened to me that I've had different sensations, but I can't point back to any one of those sensations and say, that was my new birth. That was my new birth. No, I can't do that. But I know I'm not who I once was. I've been completely changed. My nature is gone. My heart's desires has changed. The things that I once loved, I don't love anymore. The things that were so hard to be, it was such a labor to get on my knees and pray. It was such a labor to read my word. Now, it's all I want. It's like my brain's been rewired and the the, the bridges in my brain is just all about, I can't get enough of the word. I can't get enough of the message. I can't get enough of prayer. I just need more of God and more of God. Why? Because something's happened on the inside and the life that's pulsating through your veins is different than that sinful nature. That's gone from a place of preeminence to a place of influence now and now the place of preeminence has been taken over by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, and that is the seal of circumcision upon the believer, a new birth. But he says it's a sensation to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says when you receive Christ as your Savior, that turns you around. He says, no man, Jesus said in John 5, 24, he says, think of, uh, he says, 5, 24, he, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense uh, eternal life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. It's pretty plain and pretty clear in the scripture. There's something that happens as a turnaround, but then he says, there you are, you're turned around. That's one part of the Holy Spirit. Oh, now he begins to break it down. You've made a decision. You've made a choice. You've turned around. He says, that's one part of the Holy Spirit. He says, sanctification is another part of the Holy Spirit. Then when you get so full of it, you can't do nothing else. He says, he gives you a whole nother language then maybe. He says, and then trying, he just fills you up. It takes the Holy Spirit. No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. All the Father hath given me will come to me. There you are. And then when you have at least a little tinkling in your heart to come to Christ, do it right away because that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you is for God to call you to the wedding supper of his son. I don't know anything greater. He says, what's this saying? That's a part of the Holy Ghost. When you get justified, it's a part of it in you. And when you get sanctified, that's another part of the Holy Ghost. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that's another part of the Holy Ghost. But all of it is working towards something. In other words, you see, there's a portion or a measure of the free gift of God because the Holy Spirit, Brother Branham would say, is the free gift of God. And it says the free gift of God is a part of it or a measure of it according to the favor that you have found with him. When he calls you by predestination, you found favor with God. As Brother Branham said, he says, he says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And he said, and the reason I say that, he says, the seed will find favor with God. So praise God, the seed will find favor. There's a promise right there. I know, because I'm predestinated, I will find favor with God. That's your calling. The fact that he called you means that that seed found favor in the eyes of God, and he looked at that and said, I know that's one of mine, and I will not lose one because I called them and I chose them before the foundation of the world. But when he sanctifies you because you stayed in that calling, you responded to the calling. If Abraham had never responded to the call, he would have never got sanctified. He would have never got sealed. 
But he had to when God called him down there when he was in Ur. When God, when God found favor with him and called him out, if he would have said, you know what? No, I'm crazy. God's talking. This is, this is, this is crazy. I'm not doing this. I'm going to continue what I'm doing. Nothing else would have happened. Genesis would have been a whole lot shorter and much more of the Bible. But God don't lose one. So when God called Abraham, he knew because Abraham found favor with him because there was a seed in him to respond. There was something in him that had favor with God. There was a deep call out to the deep. There had to be a response there, so he had to come out. And God didn't immediately, oh, praise God. He responded, quick, go circumcise yourself. Didn't happen. He went on a long journey. He started walking. We thank God that now we're living under a grace covenant. We're living under um, um, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where all of these stages and steps that I'm talking about tonight, it can't happen like that. I thank the Lord. But quite often, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't. And that's why I bring that out. There's a lot of denominational people that come to an altar and get the euphoric experience of being justified or sanctified. And that's wonderful, but they never go beyond that. We had what was called the Asbury Revival recently where they had a wonderful outpouring. I believe it was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that they came down and people were singing and worshiping and things were going on. Some people were being healed. There was prayers going on. Where are they? If it was the Holy Ghost, it would have brought them to the word if they would have received it into their hearts. But many of them, God just began to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I pray there's at least one that came out of it. I don't know. I haven't heard anything more from it. There'll be an episode coming soon on the End Time Podcast on it. There you go. There's my shameless plug for the End Time Podcast. But we have, in all of these stages and all these steps, Abraham had to respond and he had to go through a journey and he had to go through things so that he could find favor with God so God would call him further. The more favor he found, the more God called him. The more God brought him, the more God showed him. And there's a greater measure of the Holy Ghost beyond sanctification. We know called the baptism of the Holy Ghost when God finds favor with you and he decides to make his abode with you. But there's even more than that. Let me say it this way. Being a roommate with someone is not through the same relationship as being married to someone. If you got a roommate, you don't go tell your roommate all your secrets. You don't give them the bank card. No, you expect them to pay you for rent. It's a different relationship. Just cohabitating is different than true oneness. That's why there has to be a birth, a complete change. But as you continue to live in the revelation that he's made real to you, that's why I appreciate when new believers come in and the only revelation they've got is Jesus loves me. Live in that with everything you got. Because if you do, then Jesus will show you, I'm the one that predestinated you. Live in that with everything you got. I'm the Lord that heals all your sickness and diseases. Live in that with all you got. You got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a revelation. Live in that with everything you've got. And then he takes you another step. And then he takes you another step. And then he takes you another step. And he just keeps walking you one and by one, by one, by one. As you continue to receive the Lord, he continues to give. Grace is what God did for me. Works is what I do for God. 
That's chapter 6 of the Hebrew series, Brother Brown, I'm preaching. He says, now they'll make a doctrine out of it. He says, but think that works is what wins you merits. Can you say that again? They think that works is what wins you merits. He didn't say it's what wins you merits. He said they think. They make a doctrine out of it, but you won't find that in the Bible. If it is, then it isn't a free gift. Grace is what God did for you. By grace you're saved, and works is what you did in appreciation for the grace that he showed you. And if you love him, you like to do the works of the Lord. Certainly, because you love him. So then how do I find a greater favor with God if works isn't a merit-based system? Because it's not by works. It's by his righteousness, by his grace, by just believing, by living in revelation. As he reveals it to you, you begin to walk in that. Not trying to live it, but allowing God to live it through you. Remember, just being, just being justified, it's a part of the Holy Ghost. Just being sanctified, it's a part of the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, it's another part of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, if you've ever been justified, if you've ever been called, that means God's got an interest in you. If you've ever been sanctified, that means God has a greater interest in you. If you've ever been filled with the Holy Ghost, that means God has a greater interest in you. That you've taken up more of his attention. That he desires to be with you more than what he previously was. That he desires to bring you closer and closer to him because it's not just the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not the end. It's the beginning. It's a new beginning. The new birth is a new beginning. Praise be to God. New birth. It's a birth. It's a child. It's a baby. They're going to act like babies. Nobody wants to say a big amen to that one ever. Like, no, brother, I want to be born and be immediately mature. No, it doesn't happen that way. It takes a molding. It takes a shaping. It takes a character molding. It takes all these things to go into it. It's part of the Christian life. And, but we can see that, that we live in, in, in this realm of relying upon the grace of God, and we can live on this realm of relying upon the grace of God and upon the predestinated seed to find favor with God. And because the seed will find favor, you will find some favor with God simply based on his grace. But there is a greater way to approach God, to live in favor with God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, not walking away from them and saying we don't need these anymore, but going beyond them. He says, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. If you just stay there in repentance from dead works and just having faith towards God, that's all you stay in. You're staying there and, and, and just finding favor with God because you're called. And that's wonderful, but there's more than that. If you continue on down, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, he says, But beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you. 
the things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. See, so it's not a merit-based system, but yet he knows the labor of love and the works that you've done for him, and those things do find favor with God. It doesn't give you more grace, but it gives you favor. Amen. In that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Oh, the seed will find favor with God, but there is an emission of the Holy Spirit that brings a peace. As we said, the righteousness. What is righteous work? Isaiah 35. Righteousness works peace. It brings about a peace in your mind. It brings about a peace in your life. It brings about a peace in your home if you're really trusting in the Lord. If you're trying to do it yourself, you're going to find yourself in contention. But if you're doing it by the word of God, how do I do it by the word of God? You live it, Dad. You live it, Mom. It's not sit down every night and say, listen, Johnny, this is what you did wrong today. Because over here, the word of God says that you should do this. Because it says that the works of the, of, 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 of the, of uh, the flesh is envyings. You were envying today, Johnny. I seen you. Shame on you. Sorry, I'm not pointing at you. <laughs> I'm not using Johnny as John. I apologize. <laughs> oh, it's revelings. It works as you were reveling. Oh, we could go on. It's emulations. Variance is strife. You ever have strife with somebody? You tried not to, but sometimes it just happens. And you go, Lord, what's going on here? I just can't seem to get into peace with this person. But then, then, then how do I bring my home into order and bring peace into my home? You live it. You be the example for the others to follow. And when you read the word, you begin to show them by example. Yes, the works of the flesh is this. I remember daddy used to be this way. And even today, maybe I slipped up a little bit. But you know that, that I was praying this morning, the Lord. And it just goes on. It begins to come out of you in such a way that you don't begin to understand. I don't know why I said that. I don't understand why we had devotions in a different way than we ever had devotions before. But we just did it this way. Because I felt like it was God moving on me. I don't know why I'm down this road exactly this way. But we'll, we'll continue on with this a little bit. This is a... There's, there's an omission of the Holy Spirit because righteousness will work peace. It will work a quiet assurance. Yeah. Not fighting. Yeah. Or just staying in the immaturity of, of, of doctrinal squabbles. And I'm right and you're wrong and because I think this and they don't think that, so therefore they're out. They don't come to my church so it's not right or they don't believe it the way I believe it. <laughs> they don't see it the way I see it. No, we don't want to push them off the bridge. Just, just let them be. Pray for one another. We read it. The, our pastor preached a wonderful service on it on, on, on Sunday night to, to, to forbear one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. These are ways that he's talking about because as he gets down to verse 7, as our, our, our text is in verse 7, says, unto everyone is given grace according to favor, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He's talking about how do I get favor with God? 
It's not in verse 4 to 6 where he says there's one body, one spirit, where we're called, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and above all, through all, in you all. That's all an even playing field. But he says, but there's somewhere where it doesn't become even anymore. When this one has a greater measure than that one. But this one needs more favor than that one. <laughs> oh, we could go into that in the message for a long time. I'll bring it out a little bit right here. What Brother Branham would talk about and say, when he, when he lied to the tax man, he told his wife, tell them I'm out, when he really wasn't out. And he tried to go and pray for a sick baby, and God wouldn't hear his prayer. And he realized, I don't have favor with God. Why? Because I told one lie. Now, we could preach it this way, and we could say, if you ever tell one lie, you need to go spend a week in a cabin or a cave out somewhere and pray and repent before God. We'd all be out. We'd never see each other again. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We'd all need to find our own cave somewhere for a week on end and come out for a day and be like, here I go again. No, but because he had a greater measure. Because he had a measure of the gift of God. He needed that much favor with God to match the measure. You and I don't have that measure of gift. He does. I don't need that kind of favor. I wish I had that kind of favor with God, but I don't need it to operate the gift that's in me. He needed it to operate the gift that was in him. I don't see visions like that. I don't have discernment like that. He did. He needed that kind of favor with God so he could stay right there and the angel of the Lord could come right down beside him and the people could put faith and trust in it. He had to make sure every single thing was just right. And it just his spirit was in perfect balance. They say, well, we need to make sure, yes, we need to make sure, but we need to come to a place where we know we're right before God. Amen. We don't, I don't have to stand up here and have great prayer lines come up like this because that's not my gift. But I do need to be right before God to preach the message. Absolutely, I do. I'm not saying I don't. I absolutely do. And I need to have favor with God. And as much favor I have with him is as much as he'll use me. If I have favor with God and with you. If I don't have favor with the people, I could preach the absolute wonderful truth. And I'm going to be honest with you. You could all sit there like bumps on the log. I'm not listening, Brother Andrew. Don't like him. Shouldn't have worn that tie. Praise God, you guys aren't like that. That's why I can say that. We say it this way. Let's go on unto perfection. In other words, let's grow in maturity. It's children that fight over who got the bigger piece of dessert. Right? Listen, if mom and dad are at the kitchen table arguing over who got the bigger piece, we got problems. But it's children that fight over who got the bigger piece. It doesn't matter how even you cut those pieces. The kids are going to look at theirs, and they're going to look at their brothers, and they're going to look at their sisters and go, I think hers is bigger. They're the same. Okay, I didn't take out a tape measure. I'm sorry. But we do that in the message. I've got a greater doctrine than you, and they're so close. We've got to take out a tape measure to figure out whose doctrine is better. It's called splitting hairs. It's children that fight over who get to sit next to mom and dad. They did it in the New Testament. Tell us who's going to sit on your right hand and your left hand. I can imagine Jesus going, 
Come on, children. That's not mine to give. But the Lord knows. But it's, we will have devotions, and I'll tell my own children, devotions, and I'll sit here. And this one says, but I want to sit next to Dad. So I move over there between the two of them. And then the third one says, he wants to sit next to Dad. My poor wife. I just sit here on my lap. Then everyone gets to sit next to Dad. No, that's not how it works. But it's children that fight over who's playing with which toy. I find it absolutely amazing to me. And I, my children are young enough. Hopefully they'll forgive me for this. I come downstairs because my young daughter, she's just crying and crying and crying. And Edward's not playing nice with me and everything's going wrong. Okay. What's wrong? I want a boat. Ezra won't give me a boat. Okay, so I'm going to figure out what's going on. Walk down there. Ezra's got two boats. She's got no boats. And I said, well, what do you need two boats for? I'm going to pick up all my buddies. <laughs> and I need two boats. And I'm like, man, well, bring your sister with you and let her drive one, okay? And then she can have a boat too. But that's what children do. They squabble over who's got what toy. My, how come she's playing the piano this morning? I'm the piano player. Why are they on the guitar? That person's clapping louder than me. I'm going to clap louder than them. If that person thinks they don't need to clap, well, then I don't need to clap. If they're not going to raise their hands, I'm not going to raise my hands. Arguing over toys. Well, we could take it deeper than that, too. When they speak in tongues, I'll speak in tongues. When they prophesy, I'll prophesy. With that attitude, I guarantee you won't whether they do or not. Arguing over gifts. Why do you get to pray? The Lord doesn't love me as much. No, but you've got a different gift. Why is he up in the pulpit preaching? Why, what about me? I think I got a gift. Hold on. Mature a little bit. Find favor with God. Walk in the faith that you've been given so he recognizes it as righteousness. And when he recognizes it as righteousness, you continue to walk with him. He'll fill you with his own spirit and he'll place you positionally in the body. And when you get to that point, you're not going to be looking at your brother and sister going, why they got what I don't got. But as long as you're way over here, you're thinking you're in your place in the body and arguing with everybody else about why they're out of their place. I guarantee you one thing, okay? If everybody in the church has problems but you, they're not the problem. Okay? I, I really didn't think I'd go down this way exactly today. But this is for somebody. How am I doing with the message of the hour, guys? Terrible. I apologize. All right. We're going to carry on. We'll get you out of here in another few minutes. It's spiritual children that bicker over doctrine, isms, churches, but fightings and disagreements that doesn't find favor with God. Winning an argument with a brother. You know, I, I've, I've been around a lot of preachers in the message through the years. Never once have I heard a testimony where a brother says, me and this other brother disagreed, 
but I convinced him of me and God just poured out a blessing on me. I've never heard that. Not once. I've also never heard of where, but we, we, we disagreed and, and we just went our own ways and God just poured a blessing on me because I, I'm, I knew better. I've never heard that testimony. Not one time. I've heard of other testimonies where brothers said, we disagree, but you know what we come to find out? We're saying the same thing with different words. And I said, brother, forgive me. And he said the same thing. We went on loving each other and in fellowship. I've heard that testimony a lot. Because you know what? We are human. But that's a level of maturity that comes to a place and recognizes, hold on a second, we're doing the same thing. I'm a plumber, okay? I've had a lot of immature journeymen that tell me there's one way to plumb. You need to do it this way, and this is the way it'll be done, and it'll be done that way, and there'll be no other way to do it. You only cut a pipe with this, and you cut it this way, and you cut it straight every time. No, you won't, guarantee you. But they, 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 they preach that, like it's gospel. There's one way to do it, and there's one way to do it. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a million ways to plumb a house. And I don't know them all. I know a few. You might know one. You might know two. That's wonderful. There's a bunch of ways to do it. And we could argue all day about what the best way to plumb a house is. And both of us be right. And we could sit down and argue all day about doctrine. And both of us be right. Or both of us be wrong. But I'd rather have the right attitude. I'd rather have the right spirit. I'd rather just have faith and say, brother, this is what's working for me. I see the, the fruit of what God's doing in your life. I see the fruit of what God's doing in my life over here. Let's keep praying for each other and walking toward. Let's keep producing fruit. You know, because what God's doing in my life, I can reach this side. And what God's doing through your life over here, you can reach this side. And I pray the Lord for that. And we need to keep praying for one another, keep the unity. That's called endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Not the unity of the doctrine, not the unity of the, of, the, of the creed and the unity of the dogma, but keep the unity of the spirit. Because if they're wrong and it's the spirit that's right, the spirit will correct them and bring them around because he's the one that'll lead and guide us into all truth. Amen. Ephesians chapter four, if you still got your Bibles open. Ephesians chapter four, we'll carry on a little bit longer and then we'll, we'll close with an example. Oh my. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. These are gifts and callings that are without repentance. These are not all the gifts of the Spirit. I've already got services in the future on that, Lord willing, if the Lord will keep giving me favor to preach those. But the other gifts of the Spirit, the nine spiritual gifts of the Spirit. But these are gifts and callings that are without repentance. You're born with these. It says this, Brother Branham said, you can follow that through the message. It says, till we all, or for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. In other words, let me say it this way, unto a mature Christian. Unto the measure, so here we go back to the measure, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
the more measure you get, the more favor you're going to need. And it says in order to get the measure, you need the favor. The two are, are interclined and interconnected. But he henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I just want to show you what I just preached on. That's in the word. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all, A-L-L-L, all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom? From the head cometh forth the body. From whom? The whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself, of itself in love. Let me just go here quickly. Birth pains. Brother Branham says, see the birth pains. Talking about the church and the world together. He says, see, in the church, he says, just a remnant will be brought out. Just a remnant will be brought out. See, that's why I'm crying and straining and pushing and laying aside every favor of man on earth to find favor with God and just moving on his word. So what's Brother Brown doing in, in his ministry as he preaches this message, birth pains, this day the scripture's fulfilled in your ears as he preaches this message and he begins to say, I need to have favor with God so I can pull the bride so, because my message ain't to the church, it's to the bride. And I need to have favor, not with men, with God, so that he can find favor with me to preach the truth that will bring out the, the bride. So she's in pain. What's the matter? She's going to give birth. She must make her choice. The handwriting is on the wall. We see the earth is ready to go. That's right. We see the church. She's so rotten. She's ready to go. The birth pains is on all of it, on both the world and the church. And there's about where, and, and, and there's about to be a new world born and a new church born to go into for the millennium. Amen. And he says in, Revelation, in, in the Revelation book of Samuel, he says that's what's holding back the coming of Christ now and the great millennium is this great supernatural power that really lays dormant in the church. He says in another message in Humble Thyself, he says if you want to see this third pole really do something for God, it's coordination of every one of us together to humble ourselves before God, to confess our wrongs, to pray and believe God for these things. What's he talking about? He's saying, you really want the bride to come to that full place of maturity? She needs to live in a way that's going to find favor with God. We need more than anything to have favor with God. Oh, my there needs to be lives lived worthy of the gospel to find a greater favor with God. As Luke chapter 2 verse 52 talks about Jesus and says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 
What was he doing before he started his earthly ministry? He was increasing in favor with God so that God could come fill them all in all and use them. Numbers chapter 11. Let's just bring out one example, then we'll close. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. It says, When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of God burnt among them, and consumed them that were in utter that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Verse 2, And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched, and he called the name of the place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Now notice what's happening here. This is a time of need. The people complained. God sent fire, consumed a bunch of them in the outermost parts of the camp, along the outside, ones that were just on the fringes of the message, and he consumed them there, and they, they begin to beseech Moses and say, Moses, what can we do? What did Moses do? He didn't come and say, Lord, if I found favor. No, this was in a time of trouble. That he just come and he says, I got a need, Lord. Your word says you're a present help in a time of trouble. Help me, Lord Jesus, to quench this fire, and the Lord quenched the fire and stopped it right there. All right? And they, they, they went on. But he says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? And remember the fish that we did eat in Egypt freely. Oh, this is a great, great verse to close on on Sunday morning. Remember the fish which thou did eat in Egypt freely. Oh, the cucumbers. And all the melons. I'm so hungry. And the leeks and the onions and the garlics. And now our soul is dried away. Oh, they were good at complaining. For them, it wasn't even a stomach issue. They were going, oh, it's my soul. This bites me right where it counts. He says, and oh, our souls dried away, and all that is before us is this manna before our eyes. And this is a good description of manna. It says, and manna was as coriander seed, which if, which if you look on Google anyway, it says coriander was very similar to cilantro. And so it was like this, the, the cilantro or coriander seed. And the color thereof was as it was at the, the color of, of bdellium, which bdellium is like a, a color of like a sap. So it kind of would maybe look a little bit like a small hazelnut. Not that appetizing to look at. And it was a lot of work. Because what the next verse says, it says, And the people went about, and they gathered it around in mills, and beat it in a mortar, and baked it in pans, and made cakes out of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. I don't know about you, but that does not sound appetizing to me at all. I don't know what kind of oil. Maybe olive oil. I'm pretty sure it would have been olive oil. Which apparently fresh olive oil is quite something to drink. But... Hey, I, that doesn't sound appeasing to me. Maybe it does to you. But that's what they're saying. I, I just can't do this anymore. This is, this is what we've been eating for so many years, Moses, and this is just getting to be too much. And he says this, and he says, if, if you go back in chapter 10, chapter 10, he's talking, Moses, his father-in-law meets them, and they, they talk about Moses isn't good for you to do it all on your own, have more people come. You'll need that for a minute. It says, in, and in verse 9, it says, in the dew... And the dew fell upon the camp at night, and the manna fell upon it. Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. 
and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was also displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? Wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? That thou mayest that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Now notice now how Moses approaches God. This is not a need. The people had food. The people had water. But they wanted something more. But Moses, how did he approach God? Now he says, have I not found favor in thy sight? You want more than just your needs? You want more of God? find favor. Now I realize what they're asking, they're lusting for flesh and all these things, but I want more. I don't want to just go by on the skin of my teeth and just get just what I need. No, I want to be full of the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of revelation in the Word of God. I want more than just my need. I want more of God. I want more. I want more. How am I going to do that? I need favor with God in order to get more than just what I need because he promised to supply my need, but if I want to go beyond that, I need favor with God. Hallelujah. So as he approaches him in this way, and he says, I, I need favor have I not found favor? And I, I, I've conceived all this people and I've begotten them and thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father. Oh my. And he says, and, 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 and uh, as, as a nursing father beareth the suckling child. There we are. Unto the land that thou swearest unto the fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give all of this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh, and we, we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. If thou deal with us, kill me, I pray thee, out of the hand, out of, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see thy wretchedness. Moses has two problems. Moses asks for two things. He's got a natural problem. People want something. I can't give them. He's got a spiritual problem. Saying this is too much for me to bear. I need, I need some help here. Remember, he just talked to his father-in-law. His father-in-law had come and said, it's not good for you to bear all these people. Be the only judge. You need to appoint good men and, and have them. So now, something in him boils over where now he's, he's coming with a need of the people saying, if I found favor, this isn't a need, Lord. We can do it. We can do it with manna. But if I found favor in thy sight, have mercy upon us. And then there's a spiritual need, which again, wasn't a need. Moses was doing it for so many years by himself. But now he says, but if I found favor, Lord, just give, give me some, some help. Give me something more. I've got this Joshua. He's a minister to me, and I appreciate him, but, but give me more. I, I need more people to help me out with this. If I have found favor in thy sight. And we know in the very next verse, and, 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 and maybe we'll just jump ahead to notice, at the beginning of the chapter, it was immediate trouble. He prayed and sought the Lord. God ceased the fire, but now this is something extra coming out. Remember Ruth. Ruth, what she needed to do was glean in the field for her survival. But because she found favor with Boaz, Boaz dropped handfuls for her. That didn't have to do anything with her need. That was because of favor with the Lord of the harvest. Amen. 
But now look at the favor that Moses had with God. God performed both the spiritual answer and the natural answer. And let me ask you this. Where was Moses in all of it? Because we we'll read it on down in a minute. Go to verse 17, if you will, with me. Verse 17 says, And I will come down and talk with thee, and I will take the spirit that is upon thee. I love this. I'll take the spirit that is upon you, Moses, and I will put it upon them, upon the 70 men, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and thou shalt not bear it thyself alone. And if you jump down to verse 25, and it says, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Does that sound familiar to you at all? I'll raise up a prophet like unto you. Where he says, I'll take the Spirit that's on you. God didn't say, I'm going to put my Spirit on them. I'm going to take the Spirit that's on you, Moses. The new birth was not yet given. But I'm going to take the Spirit that's on you, Moses. And it was so great on Moses, that righteous spirit was so great on Moses, it caused 70 men to start prophesying. In other words, they couldn't contain it like Moses could contain it. Moses, one man within himself, could contain all of that within himself and prophesied only when God spoke to him and he prophesied. But now here comes all these other ones, 70 men, he pours out a portion of that spirit on all of them, and they just, isn't that wonderful? And two of them, it says, went into the uttermost part of the camp and began prophesying. And Joshua, the son of Nun, came unto him with some of the other elders and said, you got to stop these guys. They're going out here into the uttermost parts of the camp and they're prophesying out here. They shouldn't be doing that. They're out of order. You know what Moses says? We'll read it together. If we go down into verse 29. It says, and Moses said unto them, envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put the Spirit upon them all. Oh, think of it, that Moses here, that's the real favor with God that he had. That He said, Lord, you did this. I'm just going to say thank you. And Brother Brandon would even say, I pray the church could get out of order long enough to get saved. Amen, because there was a time in the, in the upper room when he poured his spirit, the spirit of God, upon 120, and they couldn't contain it. They come out prophesying and speaking in tongues and saying all kinds of things. Why? Because they couldn't contain that spirit, and someone else said, they're out of order, we got to stop them. No, they weren't out of order at all. It was God's order by the unity of the spirit. Praise be to God. Why? Because they'd found favor with God. They got into one spirit, into one accord, and God come down and was pleased to dwell in them. Hallelujah. Oh, my. David found favor with God when he danced before the ark. Why? Because God was coming to dwell with him. It wasn't something that was a necessary need. It wasn't something that he would say, I need the ark here. No, he says, I want the ark here. I want the ark in Jerusalem. I want the blessings of the ark. And I'm going to do everything I can to get the ark there. And David found favor in the sight of the Lord because of his desires. Amen. Elijah, one, oh, the widow woman one day found favor with God when she made a cake for Elijah first. 
Something simple. It's not always great theatrical things. Just something simple. Just make me a cake first. Amen, housewives. Just something simple. God loves a housewife that's willing to stay in her place and serve the servants of God and be able to do all she can for the kingdom of God. And if you find favor with God that way, she found so much favor with God that God said that barrel will not go empty and that cruise will not run dry. Hallelujah. You're going to have what you need in the midst of a famine. Mary found favor with God and the Holy Ghost came upon her and she conceived in her and conceived in her his own body. Why? Because Mary found favor with God. God had a need. God had a need to come down to man. God had a need and she found somebody that had favor with God. The zeal of Saul found favor with God. Even in Saul's wrongness. Saul, Paul, as he was persecuting the, the Christians, he's persecuting them. But still there was something in him that found favor with God because God came to him on the road to Damascus and said, I'm going to put you right. Even when you're walking in the wrong way, remember what I said to that brother that maybe he's got the wrong doctrine? Pray for him. If there's something in him that'll find favor with God, God will bring him back around. God will bring him to the truth. John found favor with Jesus and he was alive to see the end of the world, even to the consummation. Cornelius found favor with God by his sincerity that God sent him Peter. Filled him with the Holy Ghost. But remember the scripture, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Noah found favor with God and God came to him. He said, build an ark. Abraham found favor with God and Elohim came to him and had fellowship with him. Let me ask you, was that, was that a necessity? In God's eyes it was. But Abraham was believing. God could have just sent two angels down there to Sodom and destroyed it because he knew that what God knows all things is an infinite God. He knew that Abraham would plead for the souls that were in Sodom if there was only but 10 righteous and God knew there wasn't 10. There was one, two, three. Four came out. One of them got a body change. Praise God. Wrong kind of body change. If you were here on Wednesday, you got that one. Esther found favor with the king. She obtained favor, the Bible says, in the sight of all them that looked on her. And the very next line is, and the king took her. That's the bride. We need to find favor with God. When we ask for the right thing beyond our need, that's how God pours out like he did for Moses, like he did for Mary, like he did for them on the day of Pentecost, like he did for David, a wonderful spirit that he just lay aside all his kingly robes and begin to dance in the spirit because nothing else mattered. The presence of God was there. That's when you ask the right thing. What about when you ask the wrong thing? The same chapter, chapter 11, because there was a natural problem, remember? The natural problem, God was more than sufficient. Moses had asked for quail. Asked for meat. God said, I'll send you quail. 
God said he sent so much. He even records in the Bible. You can read when you go home. He says, it's not going to be enough to eat in one day. No. Not in two days. Not in five days. Not in ten days. Not in twenty days. I'm going to send him enough for a month. As a matter of fact, they're going to eat so much, it's going to start coming out of their nostrils. And they're going to loathe it. Don't you love it when you ask for the wrong thing? God says, yeah, I got you. I got favor. I found favor with you, Moses. Because you've asked me. And this isn't my provided way. But because you have favor, I'm going to give it to you. Moses kind of even says, good one. I mean, we got 600,000 men here trained, plus women and children. And you're going to provide us for a month so much meat that we're going to hate meat? We're going to want to become vegetarians again? I mean, really, you're going to do that? And God says, verse 23, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. What an awesome God. What an infinite God. Because a man found favor that he could ask God anything in my name. And God said, I'll hold a council to bring your word to pass. Because you found favor with God. King Ahasuerus asked Esther, what wilt thou that I would do unto thee? Twice he asked her that. To get it, why? Because she found favor with the king. And the king was willing to say, whatever you say, I'll bring it to pass. I'll just say it this way, because Brother Branham says, he's talking about the third pole. You want to see the third pole? Really do something for God. It's coordinating every one of us together to humble ourselves before God and confess our wrongs and pray and believe God for these things. God will never put his spirit on an unholy, unrighteous, disobedient temple. It's got to come the way of the cleansing of our hearts from all guile and iniquity that he might be pure before God, that he might work his pure Holy Spirit through us and bring these things to pass. How do we bring about the third pull? Find favor with God. Hattie Wright found favor. Brother Branham found favor. I know there'll be a bride, and I believe I'm looking at her and preaching to her as the musicians come, that finds favor with God. Let's stand to our feet. I wonder if we can just sing that song together. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. Down from his glory, ever-living story. Down from his glory, ever-living story, and Savior came, and Jesus, and Jesus was his name.